1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Back here on this Thursday morning here on KMBZ, uh, the report is 600 pages long from the Department of Justice, and it is detailed. and I commend them for the way we have not had time to go through all 600 pages, obviously. But I commend them for the way it's done on the Uvalde shooting as I start to scan through it, um, particularly when it comes to, here was the observation, they, they do a minute by minute from every point of view of everything that happened. But one of the things that I particularly like that they do is they do observations and recommendations for every part of this report and it's succinct. Here's the observation, here's what they should have done differently next time. And there's a lot to get into in this.
1: Yeah. And one of the biggest things that they kind of point out very early in the report is that that switch that we all heard about, and, and I know this is going to jog some memories a little bit of, of what happened in the days and weeks after that incident happened in Uvalde, is that there was a shift in the way the police work was done very early on, where they went from treating it as an active shooter situation to treating it as a barricaded individual situation. Mm-hmm. And this is one, one quick couple of sentences out of the report that really is the center of what needs to change.
3: John, I'm going to stop you really fast. Sorry, Merrick Merrick Garland,
2: Garland, attorney general is speaking on the report. Let's do that
3: enforcement response to the shooting and to provide guidance moving forward. As I told families and survivors last night, the department's review concluded that a series of major failures, failures in leadership in tactics, in communications, in training, and in preparedness were made by law enforcement lawyers and others responding to the mass shooting at Robb Elementary. As a result, 33 students and three of their teachers, many of whom have been shot, were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. I also told the families and survivors how deeply sorry I am for the losses they suffered that day and for the losses they have suffered every day since. I told them that the priority for the Justice Department in preparing this report has been to honor the memories of those who were taken from them. And I told the families gathered last night what I hope is clear among the hundreds of pages and thousands of details in this report. Their loved ones deserve better. The law enforcement response at Robb Elementary School on May 24, 2022, and in the hours and days after was a failure that should not have happened. We hope to honor the victims and the survivors by working together to try to prevent anything like this from ever happening again here or anywhere. I'm now going to turn to the key observations and recommendations of the report. On May 24, 2022 at 1133 AM, an active shooter wearing body armor and equipped with a high power AR-15 rifle entered Robb Elementary School and began shooting into classrooms 111 and 112, which shared a connecting door. Within minutes, 11 law enforcement officers from the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District and the Uvalde Police Department arrived inside the school. Hearing continued gunfire, five officers immediately advanced toward classrooms 111 and 112. Within seconds, shots were fired from inside the classroom. Shrapnel hit two officers and all responders retreated to cover. A single officer then made additional attempts to approach the classrooms, but after 11.40 a.m. no more attempts to enter the rooms were made until 12.48 p.m. more than an hour later. As a consequence of failed leadership, training and policies, injured and scared students and teachers remain trapped with a subject in the classrooms waiting to be rescued. Survivors later shared that they heard officers gathered outside the classrooms while they waited. The victims trapped in classroom 111 and 112 were waiting to be rescued at 1144 AM, approximately 10 minutes after officers first arrived, when the subject fired another shot inside the classrooms. They were still waiting at 1156 AM when an officer on the scene told law enforcement leaders that his wife, a teacher, was inside room 111 and 112 and had been shot. They were still waiting as broadcasts went out on officer radios that a student trapped inside rooms 111 and had called 911 at 12:10 p.m. to say that the officer was in a, that the student was in a room full of victims. That student stayed on the phone with 911 for 16 minutes. The victims were still waiting to be rescued when the subject fired four more shots inside the classrooms at 12.21 p.m., 49 minutes after officers arrived on the scene. And they were still waiting for another 27 minutes after that until finally officers entered the classroom and killed the subject. As the victims were trapped and waiting for help, many of their families were waiting outside the school, growing increasingly concerned about why law enforcement had not taken action to rescue their loved ones. Law enforcement officers from different agencies who had self-deployed to the scene in overwhelming numbers were themselves waiting for leadership decisions about how to proceed. Many officers reported that they did not know who, if anyone, was in charge, what they should do, or the status of the incident. Some officers were confused about why there was no attempt to confront the active shooter and rescue the children. Some officers believed the subject had already been killed or that law enforcement was in the room with the shooter. Seventy-five minutes after the first officers arrived on scene, officers finally entered room 111. The subject engaged the entry entry team with gunfire, and the officers responded with fire. Seventy-seven minutes after the first officers arrived on the scene, and after 45 rounds had been fired by the active shooter, the shooter was killed. The massacre at Robb Elementary shattered families throughout this community and devastated our, our country. 19 children and two teachers were killed. And untold numbers of students, teachers, and law enforcement officers were injured. The law enforcement response to the mass shooting at Robb Elementary was a failure. As the threat posed to our country by mass shootings has grown and evolved over the past several decades, law enforcement's response tactics have also changed. The massacre at Columbine High School 25 years ago and the 47 minutes it took for law enforcement to enter that high school marked a major shift in how law enforcement leaders think about responding to mass shootings. It is now widely understood by law enforcement agencies across the country that in active shooter incidents, time is not on the side of law enforcement. Every second counts. And the priority of law enforcement must be to immediately enter the room and stop the shooter with whatever weapons and tools officers have with them. That is the approach responding officers first employed when they arrived at Robb Elementary School. But within minutes of arriving inside the school, officials on scene transitioned from treating the scene as an active shooter situation to treating the shooter as a barricaded subject. This was the most significant failure. That failure meant that law enforcement officials prioritized the protracted evacuation of students and teachers in other classrooms instead of immediately rescuing the victims trapped with the active shooter. It meant that officials spent time trying to negotiate with the subject instead of entering the room and confronting him. It meant that officials asked for and waited for additional responders and equipment instead of following generally accepted active shooter practice and moving toward the shooters shooter with the resources they had it meant waiting for a set of keys to open the classroom door which the report concludes was likely unlocked anyway and it meant that the victims remained trapped with the shooter for more than an hour after the first officers arrived on scene There were also other failures in leadership, command, and coordination. None of the law enforcement leaders at the scene established an incident command structure to provide timely direction, control, and coordination among the enormous number of responders who arrived on scene. This lack of a command structure exacerbated by communication difficulties contributed to confusion among responders about who was in charge and how they could help. These failures may also have been influenced by policy and training deficiencies at responding law enforcement agencies. Some lacked any active shooter training at all, some had inappropriate training, some lacked critical incident response training, and the vast majority had never trained together with different agencies. As Associate Attorney General Benita Gupta will discuss in further detail, The chaos and confusion that defined the law enforcement response while the shooter remained a threat also defined the aftermath of the shooting. For example, surviving victims, some with bullet wounds and other injuries, were put on buses without being brought to the attention of medics. Some families were told that their family members had survived when they had not, and victims, families, and community members struggled To receive timely and accurate information about what had occurred at Robb Elementary. The Justice Department's objective in preparing this report was threefold. First, to honor the victims, the survivors, and their loved ones. Second, to provide a clear and independent accounting of the law enforcement response to the horrific attack that devastated this community. And third, To provide law enforcement agencies and communities across the country with analysis and recommendations about how what happened at Uvalde should inform efforts to prepare themselves for and respond to mass shootings. Policing is a noble profession. It is also a hard one. It requires training and constant education about evolving threats. The report includes widely accepted recommendations that have been adopted by law enforcement agencies across the country about how to prepare for and respond to active shooter situations. Before an active shooter incident occurs, law enforcement agencies have a responsibility to ensure that their leaders and all their officers are trained to focus on rapid response, trained that the first officers on the scene must focus on eliminating the threat and protecting the victims most in danger. Law enforcement officers responding to an active shooter must be prepared to take charge, to establish a unified command, and to facilitate communications, operational coordination, and allocation and delivery of resources. They must continually assess and adjust as the incident evolves. And in the aftermath of a mass shooting, Law enforcement and government agencies must provide the public with a sense of trust and confidence by communicating openly, clearly, and compassionately during a time in which many are learning the most devastating news that any human being can receive. The victims and survivors of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary on May 24, 2022 deserve better. First and foremost, the 19 children and their two teachers who were stolen from their loved ones should be here today. They never should have been targeted by a mass shooter. We must never forget the shooter's heinous act that day. And the victims and survivors should never have been trapped with that shooter for more than an hour as they waited for their rescue the families of the victims and survivors deserved more than incomplete, inaccurate, and conflicting communications about the status of their loved ones. This community deserved more than in- misinformation from officials during and after the attack. Responding officers here in Uvalde who also lo- lost loved ones and who still bear the emotional scars of that day deserve the kind of leadership and training that would have prepared them to do the work that was required. Our children deserve better than to grow up in a country where an 18-year-old has easy access to a weapon that belongs on the battlefield, not in a classroom. And communities across the country and the law enforcement officers who protect them deserve better than to be forced to respond to one horrific mass shooting after another. But that is the terrible reality that we face. And so it is a reality that every law enforcement agency in every community across the country must be prepared for. No community and no law enforcement agency should have to face that threat alone. That is why we came to Uvalde, and that is why we are releasing this report. The Justice Department remains committed to working in partnership with communities across the country and with the law enforcement agencies working to protect those communities every day. In particular, we stand ready to help communities and agencies prepare to respond to a terrible incident like the one that occurred here. We have concluded the department's review, but we know that the work of healing here in Uvalde is only beginning. We are humbled and grateful to stand with this community as you remember and honor your loved ones. I will now turn the podium over to Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta. Her leadership has been key to the department's efforts to conduct an independent, fair and comprehensive review of the horrific mass shooting of May 24th and its aftermath. I am also grateful to the entire critical incident review team and to the department's cops office under the leadership of Hugh Clements for their tireless work. Benita.
2: All right, um, we're gonna wait and see uh, what she has to say here. Compelling doesn't it, it isn't the right word, but um, wow, just wow in terms of what we uh, what we heard from Merrick Garland there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And he went over a lot of the things that we were referring to just prior to his speech. Obviously, those were the main points of the entire report is to say that uh, that, that there was what was described as a cascading failure of leadership. Dealing with that those couple of minutes while they were making that decision to move. And you heard Merrick Garland talk about this from a proactive to a reactive stance where they were moving from an active shooter situation to what they called a barricaded individual situation. And that happened, we found out in the report, as 911 was receiving phone calls from inside the classroom saying, no, there is still a shooter in here. There are still people in here who are trying to hide from him and get away from him.
2: There was so much in this. We have so much to go through that he said. And and maybe some of this, John, we may have heard before. A lot of this was new to me. The, The classroom likely being unlocked anyway. I knew they were waiting for keys for them to say the classroom was probably unlocked anyway. There was just so much going on in here. We need to get to a break. Uh, We'll get some, uh, we'll take a break here and we'll be back. And if you have thoughts on what you heard, 913-586-7798. Back here in just a few minutes on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. All right, a couple of minutes here and we'll no doubt keep this conversation going after 1130. Uh, The 600 page report from the U.S. uh, Justice Department is out on the Uvalde shooting. Uh, It is... Incredibly detailed. It goes through minute by minute. You can look at it. It's online if you want and there are a lot of recommendations in it for what should be done um, not just in this department but in the future. You know Merrick Garland kept talking about what's generally understood now to be how police should respond and all I kept thinking was everybody in this situation failed in every possible way.
1: Yeah. And you wonder how much of it is due to the fact that police chief Arredondo, who has since lost that job and his job on the council, as we all know, that it was uh, it was noted early on in the reporting on this, that he was making a lot of the recommendations about tactics and, and who should be where over a cell phone rather than over a radio. What we learned in this report is why that was the case. And I'm still trying to figure out what this means. This sentence, Chief Arredondo, who became the de facto on scene commando commander rather was without his radios, having discarded them during his arrival. What? Huh? Did why on, in a garbage can? Yeah. Why on earth would he choose to just toss his radio? whether he left it in the car or whatever it was, having discarded them during his arrival and communicated to others either verbally or via cell phone throughout the response. Yeah, you want to know why none of the agencies there knew what they were doing or knew who was in charge? That's why.
2: Um, John, no one's been charged, right? Prosecutor's office is still looking into, into that. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so one of the, a couple of things that came up, Um, And we'll continue to go through some of this. Uh, Police lacked any active shooter training at all. Uh, We got to call into Stacey Graves at KCPD. Just, I I need assurance from all of our local law enforcement agencies that everybody's had the active shooter training that we have had at the radio station. You know, I mean, active shooter training anymore is something businesses have. How did law enforcement not know how to deal with an active shooter?
1: Yeah. And and I... I was going to say, yeah, we, I mean, add on to that. We've got schools that do active shooter training right. for
2: kids. Right. The kids probably knew what should be happening.
1: Better but than But the officers the outside didn't.
2: Ugh. Yeah. All right. We'll go through more of this. Uh, some of you were texting in. Feel free to give us a call. I know that it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, uh, but there's a lot to be learned here. We'll get to more of this coming up next year on KMBZ.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: 913-586-7798 if you want to get in here. Uh we are just talking through the uh, Many observations and recommendations and things that we learned out of this Department of Justice report. Again, it was 19 students and two teachers that were killed at Robb Elementary School in 2002. And the Justice Department went through absolutely everything and put together minute by minute, play by play, what they observed, what should be done differently, who failed, all of it.
1: Yeah, and it's a good thing that they did this in the way that they did You were talking about this a little bit earlier, that that what they can do now is this report can serve as effectively a training manual for departments around the country to look at this and go, OK, this is what they did. This is what we now know they did wrong. And here's how they recommend that we do it in the future. There are going to be different tweaks and things like that made to it by individual departments that reflect the way that they do law enforcement. But when you see so many things. That were done wrong and he kept pounding on the fact that it was from the time law enforcement arrived 75 minutes before they breached the classroom and the way that he did it to say they were still waiting when this happened they were still waiting when this happened i i think is vital to remember because it didn't have to go on that long it was allowed to go on that long
2: and to be fair to other departments in other police shooting response or excuse me school shooting responses other departments get it right other departments go in and almost every other shooting that we've had school shooting that we've had before and after this one police go in why this one was such the cluster that it was in every single way uh, this is me speaking not the report this starts at the top this starts with the chief that's no longer there right i don't understand why you have multiple law enforcement agencies though that's, I, don't, I didn't type this part down, but um, the vast majority of these agencies had never trained together for a response like this. You know, you think about we talk about this sometimes like the airport will do this, bring everybody together to do some kind of big emergency drill. That never happened. And in the age of mass shootings and school shootings, how was that possible? I, I, I'm hung up a little bit on the fact that this depart, this police department had no active shooter training.
1: Right. What? That that department didn't. And then you realize that, I mean, when Merrick Garland said you had officers from other agencies who were confused as to why nobody was going in. I mean, remember, it wasn't just them. There were parents who said, I'm going in. You want to stop yeah. me? Shoot me.
2: Uh, what did he say? Some families had been told that their relatives had died when they yeah. had not. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Again, I'm going to pin this on Peter Ardando initially, and that's why he no longer has a job. That doesn't feel like enough. One guy to be fired over this or to resign, pick your verb, doesn't yeah. feel like enough given how many people
1: failed. Right. And and again, when you look at other departments and what they're going to do with this this now effectively a manual for what to do, you got to remember, too, when they're talking about all of these different failures, and I think this is where you were going with that, is this wasn't the first school shooting. I mean, you look at how not by a lot. The the reason why on September 11th, the terrorists were able to exploit the, the holes in our security system that they were able to exploit is because we were still in a 1970s mindset where the biggest threat was a hijacking. So that's what we were built to deal with until they did what they did. We didn't know how to combat it. Now we do. Now we've got a much more honed and and uh, much more uh, able policing situation and and, and police force in able to stop in order to stop something like that from happening again. It's not as though they were babes in the woods when it came to this. If you had been paying attention to law enforcement since the early 1990s, you know, this kind of thing is a threat and you know what to do about it. And they just botched it.
2: And I look at it as, um, Even So you've never had active shooter training to be told you go in, you know? And he kept saying it is widely understood by law enforcement. He kept saying that widely understood by law enforcement. And so you're one of the officers during those 75 minutes that are sitting outside that classroom. You are hearing gunshots, no doubt, because the shooter fired 45 rounds in the 75, well, some of those were after they entered, but the shooter did 45 rounds over the course of that time. You're hearing the gunshots. You no doubt can hear kids screaming. You have in your head barricaded subject. Is there not one officer there that says, I'm going in? It feels, listen, I'm, I'm not a police officer and I don't presume scary, right? But you've chosen that job, knowing that there are gonna be times where you're you're going in. You're going in when others don't go in. How do you not go in?
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's there's also questions about the initial fallback because and this came out in the report as well. It's right there in in the early stages because they spend a lot of time talking about these are the terms mm-hmm. we're going to use and this is how we refer to this guy, but once you get into the meat of what happened, then you find out that in that initial and we've seen some of the video on this, so this isn't brand new information, but. What was new is they said as the column of police officers in the first couple of minutes were approaching the door to the room, gunshots started coming f- out from the door, through the door, he was firing through the door, and they said a couple of police officers were hit with shrapnel. Now, we don't know if that's shrapnel from bullets or shrapnel from uh, from pieces of the door or whatever, but it doesn't really make any difference. They then fell back and and sought cover. And that's interesting when you look at 75 minutes later when they did breach the classroom. And he said, as soon as they breached the classroom, he started firing at them and they returned fire. Okay, well, if 75 minutes earlier, you had been willing to take that same chance, this would have ended. Do we know why they finally went in?
2: What made them go in after 75 minutes that they didn't go in before? If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't covered in his audio, and I have not been through the 600 pages yet. Not all of it. Um, I wonder what finally made them... Well, here's what I suspect it was, based on nothing. Did they hear... Had it finally been quiet for a little while? And did they figure it was safe to go in then?
1: That could be that they thought maybe he shot himself, because that's also not unusual in situations like this. In fact, it just happened within the last couple of weeks. Um, But... The, the other possibility is, and I know there was some talk about this as well, I'm going to have to go further through the report to see if we can find out, is that initial column of officers didn't have any tactical gear, which, again, goes to the lack of active shooter training. So maybe that that may have had something to do with it. I don't know. We're going to have to look yeah. through the report and see. But that would be my other guess on that, is either what you said, it's been quiet for a little while, who knows what happened, maybe he's already dead, let's go in, we've got to go in and see, or tactical gear was finally brought in by one of those other agencies, and that's when they decided to breach. Because if, if I recall correctly, there was not an officer hurt when they finally confronted him.
2: Boy, I don't remember that part. Um, I, I'll, I assume you're right. Your memory is better about it than I am. Um, I don't remember that part. Why? So then I ask, why did it take so long for another agency to get him tactical gear? Yeah. Why did they not have it in there with him, with them?
1: Right. What are you waiting for? And if you yeah. know what you're responding to, if you know you're responding to an active shooter situation at a school, how do you show up with just your uniform?
2: Right. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. We can go to the phones here. Uh, Jim has called us up at Oak Grove.
1: Hey, hey Jim. Uh, so they've they've got Kevlar, you know, vests and things, but don't they have Kevlar shields that they can just, you know, keep in front of them and then charge the suspect as soon as they arrive or get organized and let those shields take the hits but if enough of them do that they should be able to just charge this guy knock him over and and basically subdue him quite quickly it's just a thought yeah no you you're absolutely right and that that was the kind of thing and thank you Jim for the call that's the kind of thing that we were you know just talking about that they may not have had in the early stages but you can't respond to a situation like that without that
2: yeah um I- Oh, yeah, the way that they just went through and you describe what was happening, like you said, the kid that was on the phone with nine one one for a while, as all of this is happening in the classroom, and we talked about that before too, about nine one one was having a hard time communicating with anybody at the scene, and if that had just been fixed, I keep saying, well, if it, had, if if this had just been fixed, if that had just been fixed, if nine one one could have reached somebody at the scene and said, I got a kid in this classroom, and this suspect is still going at it, what are you guys doing? Maybe yes. they
1: would have. R- right, right. And that re- you just reminded me, there was one other piece of this report that we haven't talked about yet that we really, really need to, which is the fact that several times over the course of that 75 minutes, there are allusions made in the report to Pete Arredondo and others attempting to negotiate with him.
2: Yes, he said that. No, yeah. sorry.
1: Yeah. No, you're shooting kids in an elementary school. Uh, let's not talk about negotiation, shall we?
2: Yeah, the negotiation ends when he starts shooting. You get yeah. to negotiate when you're not killing people. When you start killing people, there's no negotiating anymore.
1: Right. He's, it, that suspect
2: has made it clear
1: then. He wasn't taking hostages. This isn't right. something you can negotiate your way out of.
2: Right. Somebody just said on the text line, cop here, and in all caps, and I appreciate this, it doesn't matter what gear they have. They have a gun and a radio. We are trained to run to the shooter even if you're alone. Order Thank of you. life.
1: Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much, officer. And thank you for doing your job that way. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, we're going to get to a break. We have calls that are coming in. Catherine, everybody hang on here. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. Total failure. We knew that already about the Uvalde shooting, but now we've got 600 pages of documentation from the U.S. Justice Department to back that up. And we heard Attorney General Merrick Garland go through some of the highlights of that. And I just want to come back to, uh, and we'll get back to your calls here in a sec, just one of the things that he said, and, and John had pointed this out early in the conversation, that the, bit, the most significant failure that he describes here is the fact that at first, when officers responded, they took the response of, we're going to go in. They retreated and went from treating it as an active shooter to a barricaded subject. That was the most significant failure. And again, 19 kids and two teachers died.
1: Yeah, and they say. I mean, you heard Merrick Garland say it. We'll never know exactly what those seventy-five minutes cost in terms of loss of life, but it's undoubt it's it's undoubtable, if that's a word, that that, that it cost. I mean, at at the very least, people who were already injured could have been saved and weren't because they laid there for more than an hour bleeding. Yes.
2: Okay. We'll leave it at that. Um, if we hear any more about this today, we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly pass that on. I also want to point out, um, we are awaiting still a decision from County Executive Frank White about whether he is going to veto or approve putting a sales tax extension on the ballot in April to fund something with the stadiums. Uh, he, he has 10 days to make that decision. Today is the 10th day, so he's got to do it, I assume, by 5 p.m., We're checking around to see if there's a timeline or a plan for when he's going to make that announcement or how
1: it is crickets so far. (laughs) And aren't we used to that by now? I mean, yes. Yeah. Remember, we were supposed to know by September, Uh, by early September, as a matter of fact, what the eventual resolution of all of this was going to be. And and we've been just strung along, strung along, strung along. So my guess would be that at 4.59 and 30 seconds today, (laughs) there will be some kind of an announcement as, as you will hear tires squealing as Frank White peels out of the parking lot on his way home after dropping whatever bomb he's about to drop this afternoon
2: again we sit here and we wait so we'll let you know what we end up hearing about if today uh, then tomorrow let's talk about the Boeing uh, the latest with the 737 max 9 jets uh, that we've got here
1: yeah they've they've done the 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 number was 40 so of the initial 100 and whatever it was uh, max nines that are out there in service right now the FAA wanted to have 40 of them inspected by the time that they made any kind of decision about what was going to happen with the rest of them. We know now that they've hit that mark. They have done the full inspections on 40 aircraft. What we don't know is are they going to lift the any any kind of restrictions on the Max 9? But one of the other things we found out is what we knew about the plane where the door blew off, the door plug, you know, blew out. Mm-hmm. Is that it had already been restricted from service. They weren't going to have it go overseas because it had given several times. I believe there were three flights previous where it had given a depressurization warning. It didn't depressurize, but a warning light went off. So they said, okay, we're not going to fly this one over the ocean anymore. We'll just keep it to, you know, flying over land. What we didn't know is that plane, even with those three warnings had only been in service for eight weeks
2: um is that alarming to you
1: yes and and because if i mean surely a catastrophic failure like that is going to alarm anybody but when you have just the time in service i mean yeah and 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 that it wouldn't have alarmed me except for the fact that it already had popped three warning lights if it gave three depressurization warnings in its first eight weeks of service there's a problem with that plane get it out of service now
2: Yeah. I also want to point out really quickly the connection to Kansas, um, because we remember Spirit, which is involved in this, has production facilities in Wichita. And so uh, the Boeing CEO was there yesterday for this big employee town hall, because Spirit needs more bad publicity right now. Um, uh, Okay, so here the NTSB is looking at the door plug transfer from Malaysia to Wichita. And then onto the fuselage along with the shipment by rail to boeing's washington facility and the quality assurance work uh there will be a hearing before the senate commerce committee likely to make sure the faa is ensuring strong oversight of boeing i am a little surprised in terms of the grounding of the planes that we're just kind of taking it a couple of days at a time yeah should we not just maybe say because it's also really difficult to plan if you're a traveler and you're on one of these flights cancel them for a month. I mean just just put a hold until you can go through the entire system instead of a couple of days at a time.
1: Yeah, remember it was it was two crashes that led to the grounding of every Max 8, Max 8. in the yeah. world. All of them were grounded and so now you don't want yeah yeah obviously you don't want to wait until there's been two crashes before you do something like that. Am I also the only one who's a little bit confused about the fact that we put these things together in Wichita with parts that have to be flown in from Malaysia?
2: I guess I'm not surprised at that. Parts are made all over the world. Boeing yeah, has always had a big presence in Wichita. It's
1: true. Yeah. Land International is cheap. Commerce, I guess, right? I don't know. Yeah. but <laughs> I mean, can, can we not make door plugs here? I, now, it it may not have been the door plug itself that was at fault here, too. I mean, we've got to remember that, that they found loose bolts on a whole bunch of them. So mm-hmm. maybe it was the assembly process and not the door plug itself. But we still don't re- We really don't know the answer to that.
2: So as they go through and they check more... Of these planes, we will no doubt be hearing more about this. So, all right, we'll take a break. We will lighten things up uh, in the next hour. We've got new products coming to Subway. We've got some news about the Super Bowl pregame show that we'll get to as well, all that and more coming up here on KNBZ.